2: Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com.
1: Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Welcome to Night Call, a production of
3: iHeartRadio. It's 1.29
4: a.m. on the forest moon of Endor, and you're listening to Nightcall. Welcome to Night Call, a podcast for strange days and lonely nights. I'm Molly Lambert, and with me, as always, are
3: Tess Lynch and Emily Yoshida. I had to train uh, Molly phonetically to say the forest rune of Endor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. And she slayed it. (laughs) Yeah.
4: No, killed it. Killed it on the first date. Thanks, guys. Always been bad at maps. (laughs) That's why you don't watch Game of Thrones. It's why I don't, watch, it's why I don't like a fictional map. Yeah. There's,
3: there are actually maddeningly few maps in the Star Wars universe. It actually makes it really easy for them to bullshit and add new places all the time.
4: Well, tonight, <laughs> tonight, tonight. <laughs> we're going to talk about, well, first we'll talk about what we did last
3: night. Yeah. We had a live show. Yeah. It just was me and Emily. Why my voice might be feeling a little rough right now. <laughs>
4: we led the crowd in too many chants. Yes.
3: Yeah, it was great. Uh, we had our second annual Knightsgiving party at Gold Diggers. We've had a bunch of fun every time we've done D-Day Nights at Gold Diggers. Yeah, so if you are in the L.A. area. I
4: was just proud we got to two of something. Oh, right. yeah. I it's a big deal. really great about it. Yeah, we got I didn't get to for two, a sequel. But no, yeah. but Emily couldn't make it last year. Tess couldn't make it this year. So by the law of threes, I'll have to Yep, <laughs> you have to drop out <laughs> For some reason next year but it was really
3: fun our special guest was amy Mann. she shared a ghost story with us ghost story. which was so good yeah and i mean i think the thing that i like about our events and not to like plug our next event tbd but that we tend to get like fun people on but i like that we don't say who it is yeah <laughs> ahead of time i mean i, I mean that because then it's just like it kind of feels like a very special little fireside chat with whoever happens to. Yeah, it's to very come intimate, and we never yeah. prepare
5: them particularly, so they feel very vulnerable <laughs> and, and off guard. And we don't record it, so yes. you have
4: yeah. to be there. Yeah, for the happening. Yeah, she told some great, great yeah. ghost stories. We should
3: have her on the pod for real sometimes. Yeah, yeah. she's was um, really funny. Yeah. So um, thank you cool. to Amy.
4: Yeah, thank you, Amy, and thank you to everybody who came out and ate the pumpkin pies and listen to me and Emily play music.
5: Not to sound like Some. too much of a mom but I think it's kind of lame that people didn't finish the pies and next time I think people need to try harder to eat what's <laughs> on their plate and finish your pie.
3: I was actually kind of shocked. I mean these were tra- these were Trader Joe's
5: pumpkin pies. Yes. Which are notably They're really pretty. amazing pumpkin pies. They're pretty pies. great. Really good
3: yeah. and like shelf stable.
5: Yeah. Do you think that people are worried that we might like dose them or something we talked the about that during yeah. the last i knew show. yeah okay. well it <laughs> doesn't
3: help that like we whenever we have a pie molly scratches a pentagram into the top of it so it's like <laughs> cursed Here, pie. A pristine yeah. pie i want to
4: credit that idea to amy nicholson who uh, i went to a halloween party hosted by her and her boyfriend adam where there was a pentagram on a pizza drawn in sriracha Nice. And that was what I was like, ooh, you
5: can drop pentagrams on anything. Any round I, food. Any round would, food. Wouldn't that not taste great to put sriracha on oh, a pizza? Oh, that's
3: great. It, yeah. It's spicy and has garlic in it.
5: It's not, I don't think it pairs. Personally, oh, I like it. I, I like, like hot
3: sauce on a pizza.
5: I like a different kind of hot sauce on a pizza, I think. That just doesn't, I don't think it goes, but that's okay. I'd still eat it anyway because <laughs> I do my job and eat my food. <laughs>
3: Eat the food that's presented to you. (laughs) Do do your Get what you
5: get and you don't get upset. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: So I don't know. Have you guys watched The Mandalorian yet? (laughs) No, but we have to talk about. No, but. We have to talk about Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda has taken this nation by storm. And I uh, am happy to be caught up in it. Uh,
4: I, I was saying that like what I love about this is like the Marvel versus you know, Scorsese film nerd discourse had reached this fever pitch, and then it was like Werner Herzog came in with the like postmodernist, like the
3: sweet baby Yoda. Yeah, I mean, if the show was baby. actually just Werner Herzog and Baby Yoda, it would be, I think, unanimously critically adored. It's That's actually 100 true. Not also, that great of a show so far. There are only two episodes out. But I think the degree to which it's, like, really leaned into creature stuff and cute baby Yoda. Also, just between this I – I tweeted this, but, like, between this and Detective Pikachu this year, cute tech, like, CGI cute tech – has gotten so good that I don't know where we go from here. Like, how do you make a thing that's cuter than them? Well,
4: I thought it was funny, because it's like, I obviously don't care about Star Wars lore, but just the idea that everybody was, like, criticizing Disney for being the Borg, and then it was like, look, it's Yoda, but we made it small, and everybody was like,
3: (laughs) ah! Oh, look at it! It's small! It's just wild to me that, like, it's their first ever Star Wars TV series. Not counting the Christmas special? That's not a series. I know. I mean, well, well, the series does actually make the Christmas special canon, because they mention Life Day in the first <laughs> episode, which is the holiday that the the Wookies are celebrating in the Christmas special, um, where they have a hologram of Jefferson Starship. Wow, that sounds like Wait, something what? I'd enjoy. Excuse me. What's this? You guys haven't watched the Star Wars Christmas special? It's like
4: famous among Star Wars nerds for being a thing they like pretended didn't happen because it's just like a 70s
3: variety show.
5: Oh, this sounds amazing. It's 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 got like
3: B. Arthur in it, It is, yes.
5: It is. You're just making it it sound better and better. No,
3: this is what happens to every single person who hears about the Star Wars Christmas special. They're like, Jefferson Starship, like a story that's just Wookiees, like B. Arthur shows up. Uh, sounds great. Sounds so fun and silly and like a very like great seventies time capsule. It is mostly unwatchable. Like it is, really? it is it is maddening to watch. Yeah, but have you seen Star Wars? <laughs> well <laughs>
4: that brings me to my favorite Star Wars movie, which I found out are not on Disney Plus yet. Emily and I were talking about wanting to do an episode about it, but I don't think we can until Disney Plus makes them available. The Ewok Adventure.
3: Yeah, man. I haven't seen it in so long. It freaked me out so much as a it kid. It freaked me out
4: so much as a kid and therefore it was the best.
3: Um Well, I feel like Mandalorian is a encouraging sign that Disney is willing to embrace the dorky kind of weird side of Star Wars. Were it's they like Ewok Adventures TV movies? Yes, they're T V or no, they were straight to video. That's what they were. They were straight to video. But yeah, like the fact that I mean the Mandalorian is basically so far just lone wolf and cub, but with baby Yoda, like <laughs> lone wolf and baby Yoda. Um, does baby Yoda talk like Yoda, or is it too too baby? Yeah, what's baby a, doing? It all it does is go. It makes actual baby noises. Oh, that's good. That's it good. It has like human baby noises, that's and good. then it like spoilers. It uses the force in the last episode, and it <laughs> and it puts out its little hand and she, it. Oh,
4: the it's thing about Yoda, Yoda so hard. is like Yoda's so much cuter than ET. Yes. Yo, if ET looked like Yoda, I wouldn't have such a problem with ET. Oh my god, ET would the be the best movie. The problem with ET is he that looks it's like, like flesh-colored. It looks like a ball sack.
5: You know what? I'm gonna stand up for ET here and just say that on different planets, we shouldn't project our beauty standards onto extraterrestrials. It's unfair. Also, there's I. You know, do you think that ET on his home planet, if there's just
3: different. Barometric pressure on it, and maybe he's not wrinkly on his planet.
5: Oh, like he becomes kind yeah, of he becomes more like full. <laughs> he's got fur. He's, his collagen is restored. Yeah. <laughs> what would he look? What would a a kind of well hydrated ET, because like he was very—he was sick. Peanut. That's the other thing is he was very sick on Earth. You know, yeah. very sick. So he I don't think so it's fair. dried out. <laughs> He was tried out, dehydrate. I yeah. mean, like whatever
3: was water on his planet, he was. You know, what if it's that. the same species as Yoda? Because we don't know what Yoda
5: is. We were just saying.
3: Yeah, uh, nobody knows what Yoda is. Yoda is Yoda species. Yeah, according to Wikipedia.
5: I don't think Yoda as an adult is very. Attractive, but I do. I mean, obviously, I love Baby Yoda, but I I wouldn't say like you know Yoda's not winning any beauty pageants either. It's guys. also
4: confusing to me because I feel like they tried to market the Porgs as like the cute, return to cute Star Wars creatures, and like it didn't catch on in the same way. All they had to do was make it a character that already exists in the
3: universe, and everybody's like, it's baby, <laughs> it's Yoda, but it's baby. Oh, I've seen some Porg backpacks. I think Porgs have found their way into. I think the problem is that they're called.
4: Porgs. Porgs are the new Ewoks. People, <laughs> the true. people who love Porgs love them the
3: most. At some point, I'm going to be on this uh, a podcast talking about Return of the Jedi and 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 vehemently defending the Ewoks. So um, pro we'll- Good. Yeah, yeah, we're
5: very pro Ewok on this pod. Yeah.
3: I mean, I'm I consider myself a serious Star Wars fan or whatever, but like that includes Ewoks. That's not like oh, but accept the Ewoks. It's Like no, that is why Star Wars is good because there's yeah. a planet full of teddy
4: bears. <laughs> that is why Disney Plus Night Call commands you. We we compel you. We compel you. The, the power, power of Night Call pod compels you. Compels you to put the Ewok Adventure movie on Disney Plus for
3: old millennials
4: for mm-hmm. whom that is yeah. the touchstone of uh, Star Wars.
3: Just bring back more like non-market tested children's fare that makes yeah. makes kids cry.
4: Have you seen it,
5: Tess, ever? What? The Ewok, the Ewok Adventure? Adventure? No. I, I've, I've always been really uninterested in Star Wars and I've kept it a secret, except on podcasts that we yeah, do yeah. where every so often I tell you guys, as but then you to refuse to let it sink as in. As a
4: person who doesn't like Star Wars, yeah. I feel like it's like if you like other 80s dark fantasy uh-huh
5: puppet heavy movies well you know i don't actually like love puppet heavy movies in general but i do make some exceptions which is why we're going to force you to watch labyrinth yes i going to watch point. labyrinth puppet puppet december labyrinth Pup- <laughs> puppet yeah. december fantasy puppet 80s, like pre-CGI December. I've like dabbled in some Star I I know that my time is coming for a full deep dive into Star Wars because my kids are older now and and are more kind of like into that Look, I want to go to the Star Wars land yeah.
4: Oh, Emily and I went to the Star Wars bar in Hollywood. So
5: jealous of this. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And it
4: was the greatest Hollywood experience because we were the only people in it. And our bartender was Harley Quinn.
3: It's a very jumbled. It's like, it, it you know, in the exterior, it is a Star Wars bar. It's called Scum and Villainy Cantina. But inside and on the menu, it is just like a jumbled... It's like a Comic-Con bar, It's basically. like Jabba the
4: French fries. <laughs> but then there's like
3: a drink called Dracarys. Like It's like they've got oh, Game weird. of Thrones stuff. They've it's, got, it's they've got like ma- a, Marvel stuff it's like a and DC fandom stuff. Themed it's bar. just a fandom-themed bar. It's just a fandom-themed bar. But it was like... But we were the only people in it, which people. made it really interesting. <laughs> and
4: Harley Quinn was like, what do you want, honey? <laughs> I
3: wish like, she would have done an uh, impression. I don't remember that. She was that.
4: wearing like a full-on yeah. great Harley Quinn It was impressive. Cosplay. I hope
5: she gets really good tips. Me too. I'm sure she does.
4: Um, But it was also great because it felt like what you imagine the Star Wars cantina would really be like. Mm -hmm. Because people were like, is that the one in Disneyland? And I was like, no, no, it's the one on Hollywood Boulevard. So it is like a meeting point between the worlds. It feels like it's like tourists and weird
3: nerds like us. We're going to take a break real quick and we'll be back in just a moment.
4: Guys, did you see the
3: rollout of the Cybertruck?
5: Oh, it was so funny. I it's had to piece awful. it together
3: because I just saw everybody tweeting pictures of it. And I was like, what? Was this a movie? Like, what is
4: what is this? The movie is RoboCop. Yeah,
3: no, seriously. The
4: car, it is a car that Elon Musk and Tesla unveiled at the LA Auto Show. It's like a Auto pickup show. truck. It's supposedly a pickup truck, but it looks like if RoboCop was a car. Yes. Yeah. Tess, would you like to give us the cliff notes?
5: <sighs> yes. Yeah, so, The Guardian, this is from The Guardian. Um... They quote Musk as saying, we created an exoskeleton, he said to rapturous whoops from those attending the L.A. launch. Yeah,
2: exoskeletons!
5: (laughs) (laughs) It is literally bulletproof to a 9mm handgun. Franz von Holzhausen, Tesla's chief designer, asked Musk if he could lob a metal ball at the window of the vehicle. Really, said Musk. The window smashed. Oh my fucking God, said Musk. Maybe that was a little hard. <laughs> Showing confidence in the vehicle, Von Holthausen then suggested he should lob it at a second window. Try that one? Really? Asked Musk moments before the rear window was also smashed. It didn't go through, though. That's the plus side, a stunned Musk said. Guys. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Guys, yikes.
3: Um, my favorite reaction to this was from Max Reed, and this is also before I knew it was going on, so I just saw the picture of this. It looks like a low-res, computer-generated, car because it's just it's like a polygon yeah um and it has the two like smashed windows in it and he said not for nothing but the smashed windows actually complete the whole driving my luxury armored command unit through the violent slums to Elysium transfer station for my off-world vacation (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah yeah that's
5: the vibe that's the vibe what's really weird is to present this car and like seemingly Musk if he didn't plan to have that happen it's like what did he plan to demonstrate so it just seems like such a stupid error you know I mean it's also stupid to throw a bunch of rocks <laughs> in a car the whole thing is so dumb the the font that they put
4: Cybertruck in was like just the funniest bad font the whole thing was like self-parodic yeah. to the extreme and then uh, on Jack AM today Kate and Jack Kate was saying that it was all like Magic's Biggest Secrets Revealed. Yes. was the vibe. And she made a video where she cut it together with Magic's Biggest Secrets. Like, she's like the masked magician. Right. It's like pyro. And like, even the fans and the audience were like, huh? Yeah.
5: I mean, I really, I like electric cars. It's, it, Tesla is just so... It, hard guys um, it, it sucks it, it sucks I have to uh
3: whatever I've made this argument many many times I like I'm not as mad at a Tesla on the road as I am at, at any other luxury car and I'm not against a electric car being like a status symbol for people who have money like sure like status symbols are gross it's part of the culture that we live in, but if it's for an electric car, okay, fine. Right, exactly. Like
4: Here's what I'm going to say. Those people are the worst drivers. Well, that is also true, is that... They have replaced the other luxury car drivers as the worst drivers. Tesla drivers Angeles. do
5: tend to be bad drivers, but there are also so many of them that it's hard to even say. But it comes with like this
4: narcissistic <laughs> self-confidence. That's that possible. You rule the road.
5: I like the idea of a Leaf. Nissan, sponsor Nightcall. <laughs> Nissan, sponsor Nightcall. I have a hybrid... That I really like, but it's 10 years old and it's starting to be creaky. And Nissan, give us the electric vehicles.
4: Yeah, yeah, we're pro-electric vehicle, but also, like, it shouldn't be for rich people. They well, should be like, wasn't that the whole thing that it was going to be, like, a cheap model of the Tesla eventually and it didn't really
3: ever happen?
5: It's cheaper. I mean, there's different tiers, but none of them are affordable. But the also, Leaf
3: or the Tesla? No, no, no. the Tesla. Yeah,
5: um,
3: Yeah, I mean... There are other electric cars. It's just like, do you need that name brand to be your thing? I don't know. I was looking at this because I I don't know anything about stocks, but I was like looking at the whole Tesla or the Tesla. What's it called? Cyber truck? Cyber truck. Cyber truck. <laughs> cyber truck. It rolls off
5: the tongue, doesn't it? Cyber truck
3: on. Um, Grimes came up with that name. Um <laughs> But uh, I was like, that feels like the kind of thing that you could watch in real time, like watch stock. <laughs> just oh, stock. totally, <laughs> it did apparently. It yeah. like it like bumps down, and then the second baseball is lobbed at a rock or whatever, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, I, I I just see a little bit of of action, but I don't also know how to I don't know anything about socks, so I'm gonna close this tab. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna get. I mean, I was saying
4: it does, like like Max Reed was saying, it looks like. You can see the graffiti sprayed on it in the Mad Max world. Totally, yeah. Yeah.
3: The thing is that, like, I, uh, I don't know in what form, like, somebody who's going to actually make innovations that lead us to greener transportation and transit, like, what form that comes in right now. Like, it has to be public. I, I mean, but that I, I have no idea like in what like in our current reality, how that happens, because it's just well, it can't I
4: can't just be at the whims of insane billionaires. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just
3: like is like, why is this only happening in this um, private Also, like, sphere? why is it
4: bulletproof? Like, who needs that?
3: Crazy Just to be people. really
4: cool. Well, also... It's because this truck is hard. Jenny Faverman was saying on the Twitter that it's like the car for the creepy tech bros who are like, it's time to start carrying guns in San Francisco, you know, protect ourselves oh, in Gotham. Yeah, Like... It's you a know. fortified car for, like, the water wars. Like, it's super creepy. Yeah, that is you know, creepy. It feels so,
5: fr- like... My cousin is... Um, she just started a GoFundMe for a company that would take... If you have, like, a non-hybrid, non-electric vehicle, you give it to them and they give you an electric vehicle, like, a inexpensive electric vehicle. And I was like, that sounds great. But then I also was like, what do they do with the car that they... T-? Like, they then you just have, like, this giant piece of waste... So maybe the thing is, I think that there are companies, right, that are retrofitting. Like they take old cars and kind of mm-hmm. like retrofit them to be electric. Can do that. What yeah. would
4: you guys want a car to look like?
3: I mean, I love a, um '80s Mercedes. You like the boxy Mercedes? I love a boxy yeah. Mercedes. Taking out
4: the like the hope. Like none of us should have cars, but if you have to have one.
5: Okay, well we all have
3: them though. I mean,
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I so there's this car that parks um like near my house and it has a vanity. I think I may have talked to you oh, guys yeah, about yeah. this car. It's its name is Surf and Mountain because its license plate is Surf and Mountain and it's a seafoam green Bronco. And if there were a way to make that an electric car, that might be my favorite. But I also really liked the '80s Volvo station wagon. Yeah, right oh, you oh, guys yeah. all like a box frame. I kind of I like do a boxy car. Well, I, mean, I just don't like, just... like the new, like the new Toyota Camry, for instance. Looks like a matchbox car. Like it's too streamlined and mm. it looks kind of like just plasticky to me. Here's I, what I like: yeah. fins. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I know that you you do have like a car fetish on your I like Instagram like sometimes. A, like a '60s, '70s car. I just don't feel like they're that practical for like so they're not practical at all. That's why this
4: is in the world where we can have any
1: car.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Because the Bronco, I'm like I could draw if that were not like if it were a green Bronco, a seafoam green Bronco. Like I could live my life with that car. I'd have a lot of fun in that car. It looks so cute in that car. I have a question for you. If you could have that car, like your dream '60s, like flashy car
3: with fins, and it had an electric engine but it was a Tesla engine, would you take that car?
5: Ooh, good question. No. Really? Otherwise, yeah. like, not at
3: all uh, not at all identifiable as a no, Tesla. No,
4: because it would catch on fire. <laughs> I don't trust... Molly really distrusts the Tesla. I really distrust the products from the company. And well, also, I had a friend who bought a really great car. My friend John, who's Tesla friend, too, bought an amazing throwback car when we first moved to L.A., and it became such a pain in the ass for him That's so quickly the that I was like, oh... <laughs> The reality of your fantasy car. Well, oh, you mean like a like an old car? Yeah, he bought yeah. like a lowrider, and then yeah. it was like no, he couldn't drive it anywhere. Well, Peter
5: had uh, an '80s Mercedes that was great, but it was diesel, and that mm-hmm. sucked. And then eventually, it was so expensive to maintain that. It was yeah. like, uh, and bye. you never
3: got it transferred to the French fry oil.
5: He tried. And I think it was like one of those things where you bring it in. They're like, we could do it if you did this, this, this. And yeah. This. And he was like, uh, uh-uh, no. I like
4: my Prius, too. I feel like I could be a tiny car person. But I'm very
5: disappointed that Toyota is not adhering to the California guidelines. And they're going with the federal guidelines, the emission guidelines. That was like shocking to me. Yeah. Look Uh-oh. at us talking about cars for so this long. Is, this is, this, this is is car, talk. car Talk. Car Talk. Car Talk is one of the biggest
4: podcast inspirations. I love Car Talk. I love Car Talk. Everybody just secretly wishes that they hosted Car Talk. Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me? Those guys know <laughs> a trade and they get to talk
5: about it on a radio show? It's very fun. And they have a good rapport like all podcasts should. Um, Molly, you, speaking of driving around L.A., you drove around and ended up going up Beechwood to a little place called, I'm going to mispronounce it, Crotona. 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 And then Emily said she had
3: also just driven past Crotona. Yeah. It's like up from 101. In that, that is area. where I was going. Yep. Nice. I was driving around. Yeah. It was a former Theosophist uh, retreat in uh, what, the early, like the 20s? I think um, earlier than that. Earlier than Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Um, and now it's an apartment complex, but I guess they have rehabbed it, and there are some, like, I don't I don't know. I don't know how much of the original structure or, like, interiors are the same. But. So,
5: yeah, it was built on, I think, 10 acres of the former Charles Hastings ranch um, mm-hmm. up there, and it was this, this guy who got really into theosophy. It was him and a bunch of his, like, kind of wealthy, like, you know dreamy, wealthy people. Mm -hmm. And he wanted it to be the next Garden of Eden where people could get into like kind of diet occult stuff and meditation so um they hired a bunch of really famous architects and they built this like it had an uh, the crotona Inn, which is now mm-hmm. an apartment building and then a bunch of um meeting halls and yeah. kind of like meditation spaces and i think one of them was um profiled in architectural digest mm-hmm. this couple was renting one of the buildings that had been turned into an apartment it was like a studio apartment with a domed ceiling with like a star cut out it was so cool very (laughs) very impractical but very cool um but it's super beautiful they had like a koi pond and i guess the theosophists eventually moved Cretona to ohai yeah because Ohi is also like very haunted and
3: yeah, and the the building there is like also very cool. It's just in a very different style, like, yeah, Cretona, it's like a modernist building. It's yeah, got it's like, like streamlined modern. It's like this and building this that has like... like two arms that wrap around and like hug <laughs> the building. It's very neat. But that's what... is like World's Fair. Well, it's like yeah, from totally. this era when like Moorish was Arabian the thing everybody Knights. wanted, World's Fair. which there are so many cool. <laughs> I feel like I've seen not just in LA, but like in, like in Portugal and stuff. There are like these revival, like Moorish kind of. They're just like fantasias of like what people imagine like the East being like. Yeah. And it's like problematic, of course. But some of these buildings are so well, incredible. Brand too. Park is one of those too. Another haunted. Place I was going to say about. it's very
4: ram- the architecture is very ram- and that reminiscent. That person did design a World's Fair. Oh, and then I yeah. guess That was influential. The Brand Park was influential mm. on other people building like fake Moorish. Things, it's very pretty, yeah. Well, we got a tip from an Instagram account, Take Sunset, who is a realtor. Rob,
5: yeah, Rob deals
4: in a lot of like amazing LA houses, uh, historic houses. Sent me some info about the Crotona complex, saying that that property is just one of many that are all connected in that area. And that were all originally part of the Cretona. Yeah, because it was on ten acres. Settlement. Um one of them is now
3: owned by Joanna
4: Newsom and Andy Samberg.
3: I knew that they lived in one of these.
4: Yeah. Um and then Have you
3: seen pictures of their when they whenever they moved into their house, there were photos no, of it? No, I saw that pictures
4: and now I know that
3: it's like a former
4: like a yeah. <laughs>
3: esoteric it's con- an insane house. Yeah. It's, like it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's also like I can't imagine living there. <laughs> totally.
4: Yeah. Um and then the the ones that are rented out, I guess, of a woman rents them out now. And one was designed by Richard Neutra.
5: Mm-hmm. I wonder which one.
4: But yeah, I mean, I looked a little bit more into the history of Kratona. And I guess it was sort of an amalgam of world religions. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there was a guy named Krishna Krishnamurti who they wanted to be the leader of it. And he was like, no.
5: <laughs> no, thanks.
4: It shouldn't have a leader. But I think there are some ties between theosophy and Scientology. Oh really? Um, hmm. At least as like an inspiration for Scientology.
5: That makes sense. It predates well, it.
3: Yeah, I feel like they were all dabbling yeah. in that. All the, all the folks in the the Jack Parsons circle. Yeah. But these
5: guys did not drink or smoke, and most of them were vegetarian. Yeah. And that was like, and also you could have your. They did like a lot of aura readings, but it mm-hmm. was like only if you're really experienced and yeah, know it, what you're doing with that aura. Yeah. While we read it.
3: Yeah, it was a lot of like they would host these sort of open. Um, like forums and stuff, and 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 uh, lectures and everything about all their, uh, or reading other other supernatural studies, I suppose. Um, there's
1: yeah. a lot of
5: that esoteric stuff, like right between kind of like Silver Lake and Beechwood, because there's also a, I don't know what it's like a, a a similar kind of like religion-ish thing that's um I can't remember the name of it, but it is on Los Feliz Boulevard. Like kind of the self-realization as yes, fellowship. Yes, the self-realization yes. fellowship. There's a lot of those things going on mm-hmm. in that area. Yeah, as always,
3: LA continues to be a fertile ground for experimental religions. <laughs> I still want to go to the Four Square Heritage Museum. Oh yeah, oh let's go. Well, I, I also we then go. went to the
4: Philosophical Research Society. Not like purposely. I just mm-hmm. like drove past it and was like, oh, another weird place. I should check it out. Mm-hmm. I've never been in. Um, I didn't know that it was related to other theosophy stuff, but it's also Manly P. Hall founded it, who's another weird person we should do more pods about. That's a funny Um, name. It's a super funny name. (laughs) Sorry. And then, um, like, it wasn't really Who is Manly P. Hall? He was, like, a, like, how to win friends and influence people, kind of, like, you know, self-improvement, weird, esoteric, new-agey stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But apparently reagan was really into him hmm really Uh uh-huh did he
3: he predated reagan though he was yeah but i guess they were not contemporary reagan's
4: teaching like reagan read all his teachings and was very influenced by them weird
3: interesting well uh if you have a favorite hidden uh experimental religion or esoteric uh facility in your town (laughs) let us know about it uh, give us a night call at 6 night or a night email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to take another break, and we'll be right back to talk about this week's movie.
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
1: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have two percent cash back on purchases and zero percent interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends of June thirtieth, twenty twenty-four.
2: Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring
4: Consume another really long thing <laughs> after uh, Runeño, a gigantic
5: hot dog. 400
4: page book. Um, I said, hey, please watch a four hour movie. That movie is Warren Beatty's Reds.
5: Three hours and 15 minutes long. Yeah, it's not four hours. No, it's three hours and 15 minutes.
4: But it feels like four. Look, you can't tell anyone how long it is before you have them watch it. I warned you.
3: Uh, it moves though.
5: Having I just watched
3: another th- three plus hour movie, uh, th- I had a very different experience watching this. Wait,
5: which other three hour movie did you watch? The
3: Irish Man. Oh right, yeah. I uh, forgot Irish that was Man. so long.
5: It's, I think uh, that should be illegal. La
3: um Irish. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I uh, I had never seen it. It I I didn't even really know what it was about. I mean, I knew it was about, like, American communists, but I didn't know what time period. I assumed it was, like, in the 50s. Um, but I did not know that it was uh, World War One era. So, I mean, I thought it I thought it moved. It was Warren Beatty, direct. it was, like, his passion project for so many years and um, was insanely expensive, I think, and took, like, a year to shoot. Yeah, they
5: thought it was going to take, like, 16 weeks and yeah. it took a year. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Um, you I mean, should know when you go to Russia, it's always gonna take longer. Yeah, they didn't shoot in Russia though. I think they shot in Finland, I yeah.
5: believe. Yeah. And so he produced, co-wrote, and starred in this yes. movie. Yes. He was very passionate about it. Um Tess, how'd you feel about the movie? <laughs> well, I I okay, I didn't like I didn't really hate, hate, hate it, but I knew it was gonna be difficult because I was talking with my parents for whom I think they would be like Red's intended, like very enthusiastic audience, you know, because they're like lefties from, you know, who lived in New York and are theater nerds. And like it just they love Diane Keat, like Mm -hmm, everything mm -hmm. lined up. And I was like, we have to watch um, Red's for the podcast. And they were like, the whole thing. And I was, I was like, yeah, that's, I, we have to watch the movie, the movie. And they were like, oh, you'll never get through it. And they were right. But I made it almost all the way through. But they were just like, oh, my God, it's like it is a, little, a really long movie. Well,
4: I recommend breaking it up over two days. Which is I don't
5: see how you possibly could, though. Like, where's the, the break? Intermission. There's an intermission. It just doesn't. It's like you just want to, at that point, you're like, I can push through.
3: I watched the whole thing in one sitting, except for the last, like, 15 minutes.
5: I That's what I for. did, but then I didn't come back. Because I was oh. like, I know what happens. I can see the writing on the wall. You know, he, he doesn't did, seem he well. He yeah. did. Yep, he did. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs> it I made me realize that I, like, it, It's it's very few and far between that you see a story that is, like, Centrally, a love story, like an adult, uh, and and I'm not talking about like uh, the the erotic thrillers and stuff that we watch, but it, where it's like it's a big sweeping drama, but it's like mostly about like people like who are in love with each other and trying to negotiate that that feels um, actually kind of antiquated at this time right now. Um, and that was
2: sort of...
5: Well, it's like he knew no one would care about the movie, or he would, ha- he would have a really... It's hard to find an entry point unless it becomes kind of a romantic mm-hmm. drama. My issue with it is I found everybody so unlikable. And the only time I really enjoyed them was when they were all dressed up in bear costumes and stuff doing Eugene O'Neill's play <laughs> in Where Was That? Provincetown or something. Um, uh, it looked like Cape Cod. I was Yeah, sure. I think it's Provincetown but I'm not sure and uh they were all holed up and all of these people who just like wouldn't stop talking over each other and then they're putting on a play and Warren Beatty's like wearing a bear costume drinking like drinking who knows what and uh, you know and it was also I really appreciated Jack Nicholson's commitment to making his face like very slack um for the role of Eugene O'Neill but I was telling Molly and Emily outside that I was like very surprised. So I guess he really wanted Jack Nicholson for this role, but they also considered James Taylor and Sam Shepard, who look much more Mm
2: -hmm. like
5: Eugene O'Neill. And I guess Nicholson was so much older than O'Neill was supposed to be. And I'm sure Beatty was much older than Jack Reed. Well, Beatty wanted John
4: Lithgow to play John Reed, but then he was like, I have to
5: do it myself. I know. But he, John Reed, Jack Reed, Jack is his given name in the film. But he died when he was 33. Yeah, Spoiler can, can alert. Can we
3: actually like go back and just explain what this movie is for sure, people who don't yeah. know what it is? Um, <laughs> it's
4: a three-hour and 15-minute movie. Has been established. About um, some people in the American communist uh, gang. Okay. Well, they were
3: part of the Socialist Party uh, in the states, and then like become involved in like global communist politics at the time that Russia
5: yeah. had, like the Bolsheviks about communists Re- revolution. in
4: America around the time of the Bolshevik Revolution. Well,
5: and it's obviously based on real people. Jack Reed, it's based wrote. on Jack
4: Reed who wrote 10 Days That Shook the World." He was the only American journalist in Russia at the time.
5: And Diane Keaton plays Louise Bryant, who is a writer, feminist person of interest who had lots and lots of affairs and had a bunch of horrible diseases later that are not covered in this movie that I <laughs> researched they, deeply. Sexual diseases? No. it's a, it, there's She suffered from some, so she was n- apparently never a big drinker, which is kind of lines up with what happens in the movie where she's usually like pouring other people drinks. At one point, someone's like, oh, you're not drinking your beer. Like, do you want wine? She was like, no, but they don't really go into it. But she had a period of like very intense alcoholism after she married her second husband because she got this disease that is, it just sounds like the worst thing ever. And I spent a long time looking at Wikipedia about hey, at least it. she found love again. She No, it was apparently a really, really bad. Wow. I mean, basically what happened is, so she married this really wealthy guy whose last name was Bullet. Um, And she got a terrible disease that affects adipose tissue. So you just get like huge fat deposits and tumors. Okay, okay, that's enough. It's bad. So then she became an alcoholic. She also had a daughter and I think they adopted another child. But because of her alcoholism, she lost custody of the kids. He got custody of the kids. And her daughter, Ann Bullet, became then a horse breeder, socialite, and model very interestingly to me, she passed away. Um, I went on a deep Wikipedia dive. This was like around the time when so I was like, I cannot look at the screen. You're mad at
4: the movie for being like...
5: It's just really like... the Historically inaccurate in some it, way? No, it's historically You just accurate. wanted to see those fat deposits. I did. <laughs> I just felt as though it was, it was a very... It romanticized things that I didn't find to be romantic and... I was frustrated knowing that she was never recognized as a good writer because I wanted her to be a good writer. I mean, that's part of the, right. the yeah. crux of the movie is that she really wants to be this like ambitious writer, but that she's never actually writing anything. And she keeps being like, I can't work because there's all these people in your house all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, and so she never gets it done. And when people ask what she writes about, she goes, nothing and everything and It's very vague. So then you kind of want like I, I was nursing this hope that she would kind of like, really come into the, her own and be really a, like well, a talented she does, writer her in the movie of, well only a little I, bit there's I, only one thing she's known for No but then she like goes with
4: him to Europe and she like finds like like he finally respects her because she stops writing
5: about dumb bullshit But isn't it super boring in a way to think of don't you wish that it could have been tweaked that she was actually so much more talented than any of these men who were no, always tearing her down thought it was
4: about it was about how like women get marginalized in movements that are supposed to be like avant-garde always and it was about to me it's about the 19 teensies uh through the lens of the 1960s as this like failed experiment in idealism but then it also, it's like, just felt like now to me. I was like, these are all the same things people still argue about. And it's about just sort of like the way that like human flaws get in the way of
3: your big ideals. I feel like less than the issue of whether or not she ends up being like a great writer or like goes down in history as a great writer. I think one thing that con- contrasts her um, with Jack Reed or John Reed um, is that... Uh, she actually sticks to journalism and sticks to writing and he gets so caught up in like actually trying to be a politician, which is like the whole kind of last third of the movie. Is
5: He's also writing poetry he's that everyone writing... knows is bad. Right. <laughs> Not a strong suit. But he's so no.
4: hot that everyone's afraid to tell him.
3: You know, well, but I think like, but I think that that's really interesting is like, and I think, you know, it's obviously very instructive that it's the man who's the person who gets pulled into actually being a political figure and like being the figurehead of this movement as opposed to Having what's ultimately kind of the humility to be just the like documenter of it and to you know take all of it in and to be the person who's out there in the trenches reporting which she sticks to and you know they keep kind of running into each other in in Russia and sort of like having dramatic uh, meetings and it's always it always has this tone of like she's sticking to the thing that she said she wanted to do um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, And she's
4: like trying to prove to him always that she's like a serious person or like as serious as he is because it's like everybody automatically treats him like the smart one but the movie doesn't the movie's like they're equals and this movie is about two people that are e- intellectual equals trying to like navigate the world
5: but there's so much hypocrisy in those characters. I mean, he's a socialist or he has a sign on his door that said, um, property is theft, come in. But his parents <laughs> are extremely edgy. wealthy and presumably, he's asked at one point, who's paying your rent or how are you paying your rent? And it's presumably his parents are paying his rent. Apparently, um, the real Jack Reed grew up tremendously wealthy in a mansion and his parents really wanted him to go to Harvard because his dad was like this industrial, you know, success, but had never graduated from college and they made him keep applying to Harvard. And then he got in on a second try and ended up writing for The Lampoon, or maybe he was the editor. And he led a very, very privileged life. Then I believe he even went back on his socialism and communism later in life, in real life. But I'm not 100% sure about that. But I mean, there's like a certain amount of, obviously, Louise Bryant's character is extremely hypocritical as well, because she wants like a no-strings-attached relationship. But But then she gets very jealous. It's funny. It's about human follies. I think it can just be tedious because it is such a passion project and it's so – it really dwells on, like, you know, it, it it dwells on everything. That's why it's three hours and I fifteen think it's minutes so long. Funny though, but you, I think, are a
4: Wait, baby stamp. How
5: is it funny though? Like, I mean, I about, think it's you know, like
4: because it doesn't portray them as heroic. It portrays them as like deeply flawed, and that's like. Well, like it tries to do both. Yeah, but I, it's like it's important to have like something you believe in is the point.
5: But and if like, you're a total hypocrite and you believe, it, it makes it extremely easy. He wrote easy. the only book about the Bolshevik Revolution, and that was great but, but he kind of builds like it's easy to be it's easy to say you know property is theft come in if you can afford rent on a beautiful brownstone in Greenwich Village right Right, but at
4: least he let everybody come in like rich people can disavow being rich
5: I don't know man it it didn't it that seemed as though it was being framed as being a virtue and I found it kind of not
3: I, yeah, I didn't have as much of a problem with that. I didn't actually catch on that his parents were rich, but it's also just like he's a white man. <laughs> like, yes. it's fine. Like, he's kind of protected. like He's like you know. a hot
5: white man. Yeah. So and people. they're
3: hanging around with like Emma Goldman, who like they very she's,
5: adorably call him. She's EG. amazing. Didn't you think she was amazing? Um, I thought a lot of the performances were
3: amazing. She, just, Maureen Stapleton played her. I think she won the Academy Award yeah, and she was great. It's just yeah, like, she's the great. The
4: idea of making like a three hour movie that is a character driven movie. Movie with like a lot of amazing actors in it that's like George Plimpton about so something interesting that people don't know that much about I thought it was just it was very like we've always lived in the same moment like people have the same foibles always like
5: You didn't find it a little indulgent when people took turns, both the witnesses and the actors. The witnesses we should probably discuss. No, I love the witnesses. I love the witnesses witnesses were my favorite. Yeah, so it's like the movie is sort
3: of punctuated by these um, kind of talking head interviews with a lot of people who were contemporary with um, with uh, Jack Reed and Louise Bryant and kind of knew them or were in their circles or were also you know in the social socialist movement and. um, They're all like in their nineties at this point, and some of them are uh, a hoot. Honestly, Um, it was so
4: funny because Henry Miller. I was gonna say Henry Miller. Miller. Loving to fuck. Yeah,
3: yeah, Yeah. is great. Who are um, the two women there's like these two ladies who talk that are British and one of them has like enormous glasses yes I was just like she's oh, I want to be her when one one of them old.
5: I know that one of the women was the was a relative of Louise Bryant's first husband okay. um, who was the dentist in Portland and so she knew was she Louise the one who was like
3: that? she always struck me as an exhibitionist I think yeah. so yeah. and she
5: wanted my coat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the coat. The oh, cop. that was so
3: sad, though.
5: A was woman like, w- that said that, <laughs> yeah, that. I was like, Louise <laughs> sucks. She was like, Louise wanted this coat that I had that I had, like brought back from Germany. And she kept asking for it, and I kept saying, but I also I like want my this coat. coat. <laughs> also, like, side note, Emily and I are both very attached to the coats that we have right now. We all
4: talk, we've been talking about coats a it's, lot. It's coat mm-hmm. weather. Mm-hmm. Um,
5: but she she started, this woman, the witness, started shaking when she was talking about it. Like, she was still kind of really traumatized, and she was like, "I eventually I just had to give it to her because she just wouldn't give up because so that like, was Louise. She just so got she, what she wanted. I was like, fuck that woman. And she's Took like, your it was coat. okay.
3: I had other coats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, just, I think the shagginess of it is, to me at least, part of its charm. Well, it's not it's that shaggy. D- it's not it's shaggy. Not shaggy. It's not shaggy. It was edited shag- by Dee Dee Allen, who's like a famous New Hollywood editor, and just—I mean, just the fact that it like opens with the, you know that it has the interviews woven in.
3: But it's not. It does not strike me. I mean, it is a studio film, and I think like much. To, it was Paramount, I believe, who put it out, and like I think much to their chagrin, by the time it was finally it's like, like a
4: good Doctor Zhivago. But, I mean, it was it won a
5: lot of. Academy
4: Award but it won
5: he won for Best Director but it lost in two categories including Best Picture to Chariots of Fire I he just showed it to Reagan at the Reagan White House. I'm sure Warren Beatty is extremely proud of what he did with Reds and I think it is of a time, but I think watching it now, you can see parallels it's but it's a very time. dated.
4: No, it's not dated at all. I don't
5: yeah, I don't think it
3: seems dated. I think the production value on it is actually this is why I say that it doesn't feel shaggy to me. It, like it's actually like I mean it's beautifully shot. I mean it's very course, pretty. fucking and like it Vittorio Storaro, with... but like it doesn't have a lot of the markers that like would give it away as a 1981 picture like it it all of the location shooting all of the natural light shooting and just like it doesn't feel like a new hollywood picture i guess and I it's, agree it's with because that. it's the 80s it right now like they're kind of new, we're kind of out of that by then it's a new hollywood
4: attempt but to a- make a classic romance right
3: and it's a big budget thing I mean it, it was uh so what 40
4: expensive. million
5: dollars or something and apparently the financial which is a lot for issues then. with it were caused a huge strain in Warren Beatty's romantic it relationship 65 with Zion Keaton five editors working on yes this. Oh it was a troubled God. production but yeah, I mean but I it, don't mean it was dated in terms of how I think it is beautiful and especially I mean some of the the shots in Provincetown which like I enjoy it a lot in croton on, croton on Hudson. Croton on Hudson. Croton maybe? on Hudson. Croton on Hudson. It's it is so beautiful. Which is funny because I feel like that's like a huge Republican
3: like enclave it, I now. think it is. <laughs> it's funny yeah. to think about these socialists like chilling in their little Croton on Hudson cabin. It's um, more
5: just I think the like <gasps> my dog is so. Oh the dog. See, okay, my favorite part of this movie is when uh, he gives he gives Louise a golden retriever in a box and then it then they have to potty train and that the dog. dog's name is Jesse. Which is the weirdest That's name the for a dog I've ever heard in my life? I have a friend who life. grew up with a dog named Jason, <laughs> and I was like, "There you go, can't beat Jason. That's the top dog Molly, name. Molly is a popular dog name. Oh, so it's is Lola. A- People are always like I had oh, a dog named Lola.' Name. You did? Yeah,
4: I'm I sure I didn't told even you know this. That. Yeah,
3: I must I, have erased it. I, from from um, I love the name Lola. I
4: can't believe you didn't like this. It's So good. It's my favorite movie. Is, is it your favorite, favorite movie? Yes. I think it's the best movie. Of
5: all time? When was the
3: first time
4: you saw it? I saw it, okay, the first time I saw it was in college. And I was like, why isn't everybody talking about this all the time? It's so good. But the first time I saw it, I definitely thought that it was about, like, a folly. About, like, pursuing a folly to your detriment, like a Werner Herzog movie. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I watched it, I was like, no, this movie rules. It's about having principles that you stick to and things that matter in your life and not just, like...
3: Go, you know, like, I will say I think it's very easy for somebody like Warren Beatty to romanticize the plight of the like starving revolutionary in a it, very but in a it way. Doesn't
4: th- romanticize it. The whole second act is
3: about like we no. don't see the beans that they're eating. You know, like yeah.
4: when they go to the pr- and he goes to the like the royal palace or whatever, and they're eating like onions for dinner. And he's like, it's about being but disillusioned. But it's. But that's not him. That's like the Russians. He (laughs) has this cushion. I mean, I would be so much more... No, he doesn't have a cushion when he's in Russia, though. Well, when he's in Russia, he does not have a cushion. Then he has to be like the real proletariat. And he's like, wait, this isn't like... I can't handle this. I'm too soft for this. I'm American. That's Mm -hmm. like... The movie doesn't like... Say like, and it all worked out great for everybody No, no, But it doesn't say like, don't try anything different because like it will never work out, which is what like... History wants you to think. Well, it did
3: make me think that I think... It, it, m- many people, I would say, many American people probably like grow up sort of wishing they had the guts to be like an artist or an entertainer or an actor or something like that. You know, even if it's not the thing they actually pursue, it, like a lot of people have that sort of romantic notion in their heads just because of what Hollywood does to us. But I think that like if you're actually in Hollywood, you just romanticize like being a like revolutionary or being like a you know. Well, I
4: think it was also Warren Beatty trying to prove himself to his ex girlfriend Julie Christie who was like a real leftist and being mm-hmm. like, look, I'm just as serious as you, actually. So he's like the Louise Bryant. He's more mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Louise Bryant. Yeah. But well, I also yeah. do think he does such a good job playing like a really pompous, self-absorbed man in a way that's... Why could that be?
2: But he, but he play. <laughs>
4: but it's like... A the mo- mm-hmm. The movies make fun of him, you know? Like, that's why Shampoo is so good, too. It's like it's not... He's not heroic at all. It's like from... The women's point of view is like equally important in the movie. Well, I would
3: say in this movie, the women's point of view is more important, which Agreed. is like one of the things that's and I and I mean it goes without saying, but I I mean Diane Keaton is so charming and, and she's my, so so good in this. She, um, yeah,
4: I mean, you know, I think also this movie was like supposedly super ghost rewritten by a lot of people, including uh, Diane Keaton. Diane, no, <laughs> um, Elaine May. Oh, and Robert Town and my like crypto read on this movie has always been that it's about Elaine May working through her relationship with Mike Nichols about being in like a partnership of like two people where the guy is getting gassed up all the time and told he's a genius and you're like but I'm a genius and also like
5: but I mean she doesn't write anything for two thirds of the movie but I think he has she, a good point when he's like you're writing about an art show that happened three years yeah, ago but at that, the armory
4: that's why it's good Because it's like he doesn't respect her as a person. But why does she she have so much?
5: But she does pretend to take herself very. I mean, she. I think she does take herself extremely seriously. It's just that there's nothing to back it up, and that just. I'm like, ugh.
4: Well, it's also like this thing of like the world where like men and women are promising to take each other, you know, as equals. But then it's like, what is actually happening? You know, who's actually getting the, the um, microphone all the time? Right. And mm-hmm. that to me is why it felt like it was about
3: the 60s and 70s, you know, which is like. It actually feels more like, at least in the film, like women had more of a chance to have a, have a platform. Well, the idea um, of all these than things. the 60s being... or, you know, any mm-hmm. other. Like, but, even well, then now. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> like, like.
4: To bring it up for the 50 millionth time, but in Easy Riders Raging Bulls, like, the great betrayal of the book is that, like,. The women are all expecting the men to like treat them as equals because they are, you know, they're in all these partnerships that are like these 70s equal partnerships between people that are like artists that want to get into the movies. And then with like George Lucas and Marsha Lucas and with like Peter Bogdanovich and Polly Platt, there's all these like partnerships that fracture because the man becomes really powerful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and immediately screws over the woman who's like wait, I was, like, here for you and, like, doing all the stuff, and we, I thought we were in this together, but, like, we're clearly not. Mm-hmm. And so just, like, bringing things like the invention of polyamory into that is so mm-hmm. funny, too, just the idea of, like, people using free love as an excuse to, like, do whatever they want. Um, but the fact that it's, like, her doing it is unexpected, I think. For well, they're both doing they're it. They're both doing it. We they're just see it through it. her eyes. Yes. But she does it with Eugene O'Neill because she knows it's going to hurt him. Mm-hmm. and also I think Eugene O'Neill he like reads her to filth at the end he's like oh, yeah. you people are, n- are idiots and then she calls him a drunk it's like a I think the movie's critical of the people in the movie
3: yeah, I don't think it's uncritical of them. I mean, I I just think it, it has an easy time romanticizing a lot of it too. But I don't think it's unanimously in one. I
4: think one that camp it's romantic other. that what Warren Beatty clearly thinks is romantic is like an equal partnership right. between a man and a woman. Right. You know, he wants to be in love with a woman that he respects, and I feel like. That comes yeah. across in the movie, and that's what makes it different from a lot of movies that are, like, famous Hollywood romances that, mm-hmm. to me, like, make me feel well, the thing. Yeah,
3: that's the thing, is that, like, in this story, it's not like the romance is the break from the work or the obstacle that they have to overcome. It's, like, all woven into it, which I, I, I think what makes it feel really interesting to watch. And, like, I think it would be really hard to write something like mm-hmm. this because you're so used to kind of balance, like, contrasting of a, a romantic relationship with whatever the problem or the action is but like to make it all like there are no boundaries between like the work that they're doing and how they're trying to better themselves as people and how they're trying to like maintain their relationship and make it work and I think that that's like that task of writing that I, I actually really admire in the movie a that's lot. That's a
5: that's a great point and yeah. I, I did enjoy. I mean there were things I enjoyed I think if it had been a shorter movie. I would have given it much more of a pass, but I think that the problem is how high of a tolerance you have for people like that who are just, they talk like so much over each other. They got and they, so many ideas. They have ideas and they've had a lot of coffee. Oh, and as I soon as it had so started with coffee. the coffee, <laughs> I started I to get really it. stressed out. I was like, they can't possibly, that's not a good idea. Like my they're brother, drinking coffee all night. My brother always talks about the coffee houses starting the
4: great enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because everybody was drinking so much coffee, they had lots of ideas. Mm-hmm, it's so true. I think that's what it was. Sure,
5: funny. I'll take it.
3: <laughs> I'll believe that. More ideas in the day. Yep. Well, thanks for making us watch. I I will say thank you for making us watch this because I hadn't seen it and uh, I was glad to have...
4: Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's my duty to tell everybody to watch it. I mean, maybe it's not for everybody,
5: but... (laughs) It's a good thing to see so that you can decide for yourself. Yeah. If you can't finish it, I think I'm going to say... That's okay. I think you to made me, it three hours almost. That's I, good. I respect that
4: kind of ambitiousness in a movie. Yeah, and I think it succeeds.
5: I think it is the
3: kind of movie that needs to be that long, even if it doesn't need to be that long. If you know what I mean, like there's something about something that has the scope of this that. You kind of get you get especially when it starts with the the witness interviews. I like Doctor Zhivago
4: too. Like, so like, I mean, sure, I believe definitely some of it's manipulative in turn, but like, what isn't manipulative in a romantic movie when people come off trains at the station and you're not expecting it?
5: It's I like that. Did you cry? Yes, you cried. Did you cry, Emily? No, I did not cry. I like- The important thing is I just have to because if you if a movie makes you cry, you're gonna stand up for it no matter what. I admire that. It's the train scene. I don't know. I if I were gonna make it a little shorter, I would have just taken out a lot of the dancing. I don't think the movie like would the have dancing. suffered. I like the dancing. But it was like they had a dancing sequence where everyone was wearing different outfits. and it was like, That was to show the passage of time. No, I know this, Molly, <laughs> but it didn't all have to be dancing. It was just like a like 15-minute block of just dancing. <sighs> That's all I'll it, like, it was
3: like three months. It was just so, it was so much dancing. <laughs> the dancing, the coffee. I the dancing
4: because I was like, oh, parties. Parties in the 1910s look fun.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Also, the outfits were great. Yeah, outfits Speaking great. of the Botchev Sheva dress, now we know where it came from. No, I mean,
4: I don't even like that style at all. I don't want to dress like this at all. It's
5: pretty to look at. So yeah. You just don't want to dress like that because it looks yeah, horrible to wear.
4: Sure, it's about the petty struggles of a bunch
5: of white people, sort of like the Big Chill. Maybe that's you should like it more because of that. I find them too obnoxious. There's not an, a great enough array of personalities that you focus on. You're stuck with <laughs> so Eugene O'Neill. So are all trapped in the gulag together at a reunion. <laughs> it's... I... Look... First of all, at least in the big chill, everyone seemed to have their own bedrooms and the blinds weren't all crooked and stuff. Wait, (laughs) is this
4: because you don't like the idea of communal living? No,
5: because I love the big chill. Right. But
4: are you stressed out by the idea of
5: somebody being like, anyone can come into my house? totally stressed out about that. 100%. But it's really that I wouldn't want any of them coming into my house because they all were so, they were like, hey, what are you working on? Hey, what are you working on? Hey, what are you working on? More coffee? More coffee? More coffee? And I'm like, get, stop it. Well, they did a good job of showing how annoying that was for uh, his girlfriend who was trying to work. Yes, they did. But she was being equally annoying. And when they played all of her letters to him so that they overlapped... I I hated it. I hated that. The movie, I did not like the movie, but I didn't hate it. And because I hate most things, I'd consider that a win. But anyway. (laughs) We accept. Good. Maybe if it had a little more Baby Yoda. If everything needs Baby Yoda (laughs) at this point.
3: Well, we're going to be back Two weeks from now, with a new podcast, yeah. we're gonna be off one week, but we're gonna be rerunning one of our Patreon book club episodes, taking it out from behind the paywall. So taking enjoy it, that. making it, taking it and making it, um, like hot and ready. So, <laughs> <laughs> so please enjoy that next week, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with more night call, and
5: more spirited discussions, spirited between debates, spirited women. <laughs> yep. Um, also, if you have any thoughts on Reds, or if you have any thoughts on movies that were too long for you or too short for you, give us a night call at 24046-NIGHT. We're also always happy to hear your stories of ghosts, your stories of conspiracies. If you think Baby Yoda is a psyop,
4: I mean, that's not even up for debate.
5: It's not up for debate. Give us a night call. And if you're enjoying the show, please remember to review and subscribe because that helps keep us alive. And also go to patreon.com forward slash night call. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.
2: your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at FisherHomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust